are in a series called Throne Room. Nailed it. Kinda. A few of you nailed it. Adele nailed it. Uh, hey, we are. <laughs> the main point of this series is that through what Christ has accomplished through his life, his death, his resurrection, we have access to the power and the presence of God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we've been talking about specifically in this series, that's awesome that we have access to God, to his power and his presence, but how do we do that? How do we actually in our everyday lives live with God's presence and power? And the answer is through the spiritual disciplines, especially Bible reading and prayer. The past couple weeks, we've been talking about Bible reading. Tonight, we're talking about prayer. Amen? Amen. Uh, fun fact, when you go to college and you are going to a class, uh, sometimes uh, the professor runs late. I know. How could they? But here's the thing. If the professor is 15 or more minutes late, class is canceled and you get to go and you get to go and it's it's pretty great until you think about like wait I paid for that class and so uh there's this one time I was in college and I I walked up to uh the classroom and I noticed there were a few people standing outside the door I was like oh okay professor must not be here yet and so we waited 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 uh until there was like our whole class was waiting outside the door and we're all just kind of like Checking the time, right? Five minutes down, 10 minutes down. Hey, come on, come on, come on, stay away, right? And then it's like 14 minutes, like we're almost there, right? At 14 minutes, the door opens from the inside. And our professor peeks out. He's like, are you guys coming in? <laughs> and we were just like, uh, yeah. And, and, he, and he's like, did no one even knock? Did no one even try to come in, right? And it turns out that the first person who got there just showed up and then just like took out their phone and didn't even try the door handle. Like it wasn't even, un it wasn't locked or anything. They just walked up and just started looking at their phone. And then the next person saw them and like surely they tried to open the door, right? But they were wrong. And so everyone, like the sheep that we were, just kind of stood there and no one even tried to open the door. There was a professor inside ready to teach us a great lesson. It was probably about math, so, you know. It was great. <laughs> I love math. I was a math major, right? Yeah, go math. But here's the thing. Listen, listen. There was an opportunity. We had full access to that classroom, but we didn't even knock. We had full access to a professor, to a teacher, but we didn't even try to open the door, right? In 678, the reality is, for many of us, We've, we've been saved by Jesus, and we have full access to his presence, to his power, but we don't even knock. We don't even try the door, right? We don't even spend any time in prayer accessing that presence and that power. And so tonight, we're going to talk about prayer, specifically outward-focused prayer, praying for other people, praying that God would move in our world, right? Some people call it intercessory prayer. And I want to encourage you guys that if we take this seriously, everything in your life will change. Everything in your life will change because you will actually live with the power of God in your life. Does that make sense? 
let's pray about it, and God's going to speak to us tonight. So God, thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that when we come to your word, you are in your word, and you speak to us through it. We are always uh, coming to an encounter with you when we come to your word. And so God, I pray that you would speak to every single person in this room, that we'd be encouraged, and you would make us people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so, like I said, some people call this intercessory prayer. Say intercessory. When you go home, your parents are like, what did you talk about at church? You're like, oh, intercessory prayer. Right? And they'll be like, ooh, and that'll be awesome, right? Everyone wants the ooh, that's, that's a win, right? And so let's, just to break this down a little bit so we can understand it a little bit more, intercede, that's the verb, right? If someone's an intercessor, what they do is they intercede, okay? And so inter means between, and seed means go. So what does intercede mean? Wow, wow, that was quick. That was quick. Well done, right? And so someone who's an intercessor is there's a person over here and there's a person over here and they're the person that goes between the people. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's the one, there's like a gap between two different people. An intercessor is someone who stands in the gap, right? And passes something from one person to the other, right? And so it's kind of like, when you get your friend to ask your crush who they like, that's an intercessor, right? Because there's no way in the world you could ask your crush that, right? So you need an intercessor to go between. Does that make more sense now? The boys are like, huh? Right. <laughs> right. And so let, let, me, let me give one more example. One more example, right? Uh, I have a Starbucks gift card. It's real. And I need a volunteer. <laughs> okay. Not only was it the first hand that I saw, the first two hands that I saw, Levi. Levi, come on up. <laughs> it's not because he has my name, although that didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, just so you guys know, my name is Levi. This is Handsome Levi, right? So, Handsome Levi, uh, here's a Starbucks gift card. $10. Now, here's the thing. You are my intercessor. And so I'm, I'm giving you that gift card so that you can give it to someone else. Because I want to give, I want to give this gift card to 678. And so, yeah, you could choose, you could choose anyone. <laughs> you're, you're an intercessor. I, I have a gift that I want to give 678. And you're my intercessor. And so, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. A very refined, a very refined way of choosing. Let's see what the intercessor does. Intercessor, intercessor at work. Oh, he's still discerning, discerning. Okay. Oh, Blake. Well done. And so, Blake, stay standing for a second. Really, I wanted, I wanted to give something to Blake, right? I wanted to give something to 678, but I wanted to do it through an intercessor. Does that make sense? <laughs> I-N-T-E-R-C-E-S-S-O-R-Y. Okay. Uh, you can sit down now, Blake. Hey, 678, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. D don't miss this, Right? This is what I want you to learn from that object lesson, right? God 
wants to give his love, his grace, his mercy to our world. And God wants to do that through intercessors. God wants to give his grace, his love, and his mercy to the world, and he wants to do that through intercessors. He wants to do that through us, to give his mercy, his love, his grace, right? And so what intercessory prayer is we're actually being an intercessor on behalf of other people and God, right? There's this gap between people and God, and God is inviting us to stand in the gap through service and through prayer so that we can be sort of like a channel, right? And, and God's love and grace and mercy can flow through us, right? And, you know, I've seen sometimes people want prayer to feel very doable. They want prayer to feel very accessible, and they're like, oh, prayer is just talking to God, right? And, I, and in one sense, it's true. Prayer is talking to God, but it's a lot more than that. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you, write this down. Prayer is not only talking to God, it's also partnering with him. Prayer is not only talking to God, it's also partnering with him. It's understanding that God wants to send goodness and love and peace and joy to this world, and he wants to do it through us. We're partnering with God through prayer when we pray for that. Hey, ladies in the back, would you guys focus up for me? Thank you very much. Hey, no, none of that, none of that. We're focused, we're focused, right? And so here, here's the question. If God is sovereign, that means if God is in control, then why does, why does this need to happen, right? Maybe you're asking this question like I am. Like, if God's in control, why isn't God just, like, zap goodness to someone else? Like, why does he decide to go through us, to go through intercessors, right? And really, what we discover when we read the Bible is God has chosen to work through humans. I dare you, just in your mind, not out loud. Think. Try to think of a single Bible story where God acts, and it's not through a person doing something or a person praying. Try to, try, try to think of an example. No, no, no. See, you're like, uh, no. Right? And here's the thing. God, it's how God works. From the very beginning, God created man and woman. What's, what does he do then? He gives them a mission. He gives them a job. He says to rule the world, right? To represent who God is to the world. God created the world. He was the creator king, but he wanted to rule the world through humans. From the very beginning, that has been God's plan. God works on earth through humans, right? And I used to think, I was like, uh, except Jesus, right? Like Jesus, finally we got to a point where God's like, okay, forget it. I'm going to come and do it myself, right? I'm like, fine, I'll get them myself, right? But actually, if you stop and think about it, the incarnation, God was so committed to working on earth through humans that he became one. God is so committed to working on earth through humans that he became one. And 6, 7, 8, that hasn't changed. God is still committed to working on earth through humans, and God wants to work on earth through you and through your prayers. And so I want to read a couple stories from the Bible of how this has happened. And so I want to tell a story of Moses interceding with God. Now, super, super, super quick summary of biblical redemption history to this point, right? So 
people sin and the world goes bad, right? And then God's like, I'm going to save the world, and I'm going to do it through a family. And he chooses a guy named Abraham. It's the family of Abraham, so it's the Abra-fam, right? And so he chooses the Abra-fam, and the Abra-fam, all of a sudden there's a famine. And so they go to Egypt, and they're like, uh, hey, Egypt's great. And then all of a sudden they're like, uno reverse card. And, they, and it goes terrible, and suddenly all the Israelites are enslaved by Egypt, right? And then all the people are like, God, deliver us. And, and, and God's like, yes, I will, I will deliver you, right? And he raises up Moses, this guy. And Moses has this, like, stick. And, and he, like, God's like, raise your stick. And he does that. And then it's like, plagues, right? And then so he brings all the Israel out of Egypt. And they get to this desert, right? And they, and they get to this one mountain in the desert. And now God has said, okay, I've gotten my people out of Israel, out of Egypt. Now it's time to get Egypt out of my people, right? And so at this mountain, God is teaching Israel what it means to be the people of God, right? And so he's giving them ways to live. He says, if you're going to be my people, we live this way. What it means to be God's people, and, and we call that the Ten Commandments and the law, right? And so Israel's like, yes, we want to live this way. We want to be God's people, Yahweh. That's the, the divine name of God. We want to be Yahweh's people, right? And they commit to it. They, they make a covenant with Yahweh, right? And then Moses goes just for a couple days away, and when he comes back down, guess what Israel's doing? They, they literally made an idol and were worshiping that instead of God right after promising that they would worship Yahweh, Right? And so all of a sudden, now, God has promised that through this family, he's going to save the world. But now this family has done something that's worthy of death. Do you see the promises of God are now in conflict with the character of God, the justice, the perfect righteousness of God, right? And so what's going to happen? What happens is the story I'm about to read, Exodus 32. God is speaking. He says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. That's New International Version for they're the worst, right? Now, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, you know, it was with evil intent that God brought them out to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? No, turn from your fierce anger, God. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Do you guys see that? God literally says, Moses, get out of my way so I can destroy these people, which is what they deserved. And Moses stands in the gap. There's a breach between God and his people, and Moses stands in and he prays. And he says, God, remember your promises. Don't do this, right? And of course, God would have been completely just in doing that. But Moses prayed and asked him to stop, and God did something different. 6, 7, 8. 
You see, by telling Moses, God telling Moses what he was about to do, he was inviting Moses into the conversation. He was making his divine will vulnerable to Moses' challenge. You see, human intercession is not this irritating, sometimes successful, into God's predetermined blueprints for history. No, human intercession, people asking God to do something different, is part of the way that God's sovereignty is played out, right? And it's a mystery we can't fully understand, but prayer is an integral part of the way God's sovereignty is played out. And we see lots of other interceptors. We actually don't see that. Those don't exist. But we see a lot of other intercessors in Scripture, like Elijah and Daniel. But let's read one story really quick where someone doesn't intercede. Ezekiel 22, 30 through 31. God is speaking. He says, I looked, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. Stand in the gap, right? On behalf of the land so that I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads, on their own heads, all that they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. You see, God's justice demanded judgment, but his character wanted mercy. He says, I was looking. I was looking for someone that would pray so that I wouldn't have to bring my judgment, but I couldn't find anyone. God was willing, God was ready, God was wanting to change his plan. If he could find someone that would stand in the gap and pray and intercede, but he couldn't find anyone, so judgment came instead. Six, seven, eight, what you got to see is Jesus was the ultimate intercessor, right? He, he came from God. He became human so that he could intercede on behalf of humans to God, Right? And he, he was in perfect partnership with God, releasing heaven everywhere he went. And Jesus said this to his disciples one time. His disciples were like, you know, some people think that you're Elijah, or some people think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And Jesus is like, cool, who do you think that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the promised one of God. And then Jesus responds, and he says this, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. I will, listen to this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? And so Jesus is speaking that to Peter, but really he's speaking that to the church, which is what we're a part of. God is giving us authority in prayer. That our prayers are powerful. That our prayers change things. Six, seven, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Every time you pray, something changes. We may never see it, but every time you pray, something changes. You must believe that, or prayer will actually be impossible for you. If you think that it, oh, like, oh, just what I'm supposed to do, you're, you're just going to walk through the motions. But if you believe it, if you believe what the Bible teaches, that every time you pray, something changes, you will have a different experience when you pray. You will step into the power and presence of God. Six, seven, eight. What if instead of thinking, oh, I'm too busy to pray, what if we thought there's no point in being busy until I've prayed? Six, seven, eight. Prayer, it's the most important thing you can do, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I think you're cool. 
but you're not strong enough. You don't have enough power to accomplish what needs to happen in life. But God does. And so we deceive ourselves when we try to do things on our own without praying. We don't, we don't have the capacity to do that. But if you start with prayer, if you start with inviting the almighty God into the situation, then your service, then your action changes things. Because God has gone before you through your prayers. And so I want to encourage you guys, just really quick, how, how do I do intercessory prayer? I just want to give you four steps. They're not on the screen. Just listen to them, and if you're writing notes, you can write them down. Number one, confess your sin. Sometimes if we have hidden sin in our hearts, it can hinder our prayers. And so first step is to confess your sin to God and to other people. If you're in life group, we read about that in James chapter 5. We confess our sins to others. And then with a pure heart, through God's grace, we can approach him. Number two is ask God for guidance. God, is there anything you want me to pray into this situation? Right? Ask, ask like, I know what I want to pray, but God, is there anything you want me to pray? Right? So first, confess your sin. Two, ask for guidance. Three, pray for God to move. Request things of God. Right? Sometimes I feel like we can be a little timid to ask things of God. No one in the Bible is timid <laughs> to ask things of God. They ask crazy things of God. Be willing to ask God. Make the ask. Six, seven, eight. And then fourth and finally, before you see any results, thank God. Because you've got access to his presence, to his power. And we believe in faith that every time we pray, something changes. Six, seven, eight. If we really believe that prayer had this kind of power, power to heal the sick, power to lift spiritual veils that are blinding people to Christ, the power to save marriages, to save families, the power to change the course of history, if we really believed that, then I would lose some sleep to pray. If we really believed that, I would skip a meal to fast and pray, right? If we really believed that, we would actually make the time to do it, to pray, right? Six, seven, and so this is what I'm calling you guys to do. All of this is real. And if you choose to step into it, you will experience it. And I just want to share just from my own life, Kayla and I, we, we just decided, like, we need, we need to have no more excuses about praying together every day. And so we've just made it a habit in our, in our lives. Uh, every night before we fall asleep, we pray together. And guys, can I just see, from that and from other times in my life, I have seen God respond to prayer. I've been a part of a prayer meeting where someone was healed of cancer. I've been part, I've been praying for someone, and I have seen prodigals, people that have run, walked away from God, walked away from their faith, come back to church, come back to relationship with God. Six, seven, eight, I have prayed for someone, and I have seen demonic oppression lifted off of them. Now, before you think, yeah, but you're a pastor, don't you dare think it's because I'm cool, because I'm not. You're not allowed to think that. Don't you dare think I'm cool. Six, seven, eight, that's not the point. The point is that I was there, and I stepped in the gap in prayer. Six, seven, eight, you can do that. You can stand in the gap and pray. The point is not that you're powerful. The point is not that you're good at praying. The point is that when you pray, you access the God of all creation. You access the Almighty One. That's what's impressive. And six, seven, eight, you can do that. You can do that. Let's be a family who prays. Six, seven, eight. 
who instead of saying like, oh, I'll be praying for you, and then you forget later, say, can I pray for that right now? Six, seven, eight, what would be different in our lives if we took prayer seriously? And I want to encourage you guys, you can't, you can't form a spiritual life off of someone else's stories, right? So I just read some stories from the Bible. I just shared a couple stories from my life. And that can, that can fill you with uh, faith. That can fill you with uh, excitement. But if you don't step out on that faith, the boldness is going to pass, right? So I want to encourage you, if you want a story like that, then start praying. Sometimes you'll, we can think like, man, if I had a story, then I would start praying. Wrong. If you started praying, you would have a story. Six, seven, eight. It takes faith to start. So I want to encourage you and call each and every single one of you, start praying and see what God will do. Aiden, you can come and we're going to wrap up in a moment. But I just want to address that I think if you're anything like me, the number one reason you don't pray is because you have had times where you have prayed and you haven't seen anything happen. And I think, I'm not going to ask, but I think if, if, if I ask people to raise your hand if that's happened to you, every hand in the room would go up. Because we've all asked things of God, and, and there have been times where we haven't seen that come to pass, at least not yet. And I, I just want to acknowledge there's a lot of mystery in that. Why does that happen? I don't have all the details. I wish I could answer that fully for you, but I can't. It's, it's a mystery, right? But 678, listen to me. When we're faced with mystery, that's when we step forward in faith, right? We don't, we don't step forward we, because we have perfect certainty in the outcome. We step forward because we have trust in a person. It's because we believe in Jesus, in his goodness, in his power, in his love for us. That's why I step forward in faith. And so here's my call to you. If you're praying and you feel like you haven't seen anything happen yet, that is not evidence that prayer doesn't work or that God isn't real. That's a reason to keep praying, to keep praying, 678. Would we be a family that keeps praying? I just read today uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, there's a parable about someone who's just persistent in asking for something. And it says if, if even a sinner like that would acknowledge, then God, who's so much more gracious and so much more loving, God will answer our prayers, 678. And he may not always answer them in the way that we want or in the timetable that we're imagining, but our God is a good father who loves us, who hears us, who wants what's best for us, 678. And so I don't know what will happen if I pray, but I do know what will happen if I don't. Nothing. So 678, we might as well pray. We might as well step out in faith and see what God will do. And, uh, and be people that when we see a breach between people and God, between a situation and God, we're the kind of people that stand in the gap and say, God, use me. God, would you be at work in this situation? Here's what we're going to do, 678, just to take one practical action step. Under all your chairs, there's a little slip of paper. Uh, and these are little papers that we use to write prayer requests on the prayer wall. So grab it and then give me your attention again. Here's what we're going to do is I want, I want everyone to use that and write down one prayer request, okay? And so just, it, I, I want you to be specifically be praying for God to move 
in your life, in the life of a friend or a family member or at your school, something like that, right? Just some examples of like things that I'm praying for right now. I'm praying for friends and family that are in the hospital, that they'd be healed. I'm praying for dreams that my friends have, that God would bring those to pass. I'm praying for my children, that they would come to know and love and follow Jesus. I'm praying for some of my friends that used to come to church, that used to love God, that have walked away, that God would bring them back. Those are just some ideas, right, of the kinds of things you can write down. But he, here's the prompt. What do you want to change? And ask that God would do that. So take a second and write down. Everyone, take a second and write down something on this prayer card. And then I'll give you instruct, next instructions in a second. Everyone take a moment to participate in this. another 30 seconds or so to write down a request, a prayer request. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. In, in a little bit, I'm going to invite, not yet, I'm going to invite everyone to go up and put that on the prayer wall. But first, I want you to pray. I want you to stand in the gap and ask that God would move in whatever way that you've written down, in whatever way that you've asked. Pray with faith, believing that God's a good Father who's at work when we pray. Every time you pray, something changes. So we're just going to take 30 seconds just quietly by yourself. Pray for what you've written down. Jesus, we, we lift up all of these requests by your name, Lord Jesus. God, would you be at work? Would you move? Would you use us as intercessors? And would you bring heaven to earth, God? Would you bring your love, your grace, your mercy, your justice, your peace that only you can bring in every single one of these situations, God? We pray you would be at work. In Jesus' name, amen.